I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. When I woke up from that dream, I literally woke up saying apple cider vinegar, lavender, rose, coconut oil, garlic. I remember it. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, the Honeypot co-founder and CEO, B. Dixon, gets candid about her truly unique entrepreneurial journey. The Honeypot is a feminine care brand powered by herbs that offers a variety of product solutions to improve the health and lifestyles of its customers. And B will explain why the Honeypot's product line was not only a solution she found for her own body, but a business she was driven to build for others as well. When we were raising money, this whole, it being cool and being a woman and being a human that's called black in America, when we were raising money, that wasn't cool. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody was talking about it. Find out how B traversed the frustrations and setbacks of convincing the world she was on to something big, how building a business sometimes means balancing passion with a realistic attitude, and what's ahead in the honeypot's next chapter. Unfinished Biz starts now. Hey, Robin, we got we got one from our own portfolio today. Yep. I think it's been a great, this one's a great story that we're going to hear related to maybe like a life's journey to get to this point. Um, but I, I think not dissimilar to what we've we've seen over time. Just a different, different no. product, different story. I think that's right. I think... Oftentimes, the best businesses are the ones that are built candidly for yourself, right? You realize that there's something that just doesn't exist in the market, and you feel compelled uh, to actually solve that issue for yourself and for others. And honestly, that's really a big part of you know what brought B to the honeypot. I think we're going to hear a story of grit, and uh, you all are going to hear a little bit more about that now. I started my entrepreneurial journey actually with a cleaning business. Yeah. Well, that what were you cleaning? I was cleaning people's houses, offices. I was or I was like organizing people's closets. I was doing I was decorating Christmas trees in the holidays. I was cooking for people. I just I did whatever I needed to do to make money and survive. And so I think that that was my first kind of entry point into being an entrepreneur. Um, what, what point in your life was that? Oh, that was like like 2008 and 2010. Okay. You know, so it was a it was a little it was a little while ago. I moved to Atlanta in 2005, and I used to work in pharmacy, and I I worked at like multiple pharmacies in Atlanta. That's actually how I was able to move to Atlanta because I got a job at Emory University in their pharmacy. Yep. And then I got a job at Gra- at um, at Grady, which is like the county hospital here. And then I was working both of those jobs. And then I was like, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore in a hospital. So then I went to work as I went and worked in a chemotherapy pharmacy, which was which was crazy because it, it was it was actually quite beautiful because um, I met a lot of people who were going through some really hard stuff. You know, they, they were, they were, they weren't well, um, you know, some people were dying. Some people were, 
we're seeing benefits from the chemo, um, you know, but it really taught me something about life. And then I, I started, I met some people in Atlanta. I started to have a lot of fun. And, um, and, and it used to be, I don't know how it is now because I'm, I don't really go out anymore, <laughs> but it used to be Atlanta was like fun Monday through Friday. And on the weekend, you didn't really do much. So as you can expect, I was fucking tired because I was going out at night, partying, having fun. But I was young, you know. Why, why is it Monday through Friday where people are taking it easy on the weekends? I have no idea. It's just how it was. So so th there's a big strip club scene in Atlanta. There's, you know, there was some really dope parties that would happen with some really cool promoters that, you know, aren't really doing any, from what I understand, they're not really doing much now, you know, but that was their heyday, you know what I mean? And so these kinds of things would just, they would happen during the week, right? I don't know why, I, that's just the way that it was. And then how did you end up in, so going from working at pharmacies to, to cleaning? So I was exhausted because I would literally be out all night and then I have to be at work at nine o'clock in the morning. What are we talking, what and are we talking about? Rolling in at 3 a.m., oh, 4 a.m.? Oh man, like 3, 4. <laughs> Ridiculous, man. And then I, I think I was just, I was young and I wasn't making good decisions. And, uh, and I was like, I don't want to do this kind of work anymore, you know? And then I knew somebody, I was at one of my friend's house at the time and he was saying how he needed to clean his house up. And I was like, Oh, I'll clean your house. You know, just throw me some money and I'll clean it. <laughs> and then it turned out that we, we, me and my friend were actually really good at it. You know, I mean, we cleaned the shit out of this man's house, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, well, maybe we can make a business out of this. And we did. I mean, we used to clean, you know, when Tyler Perry was kind of, really getting everything up and going when he was starting, when all these TV shows were being created and all that kind of stuff. Somehow we got connected to a person who helped those actors get housing when they came to Atlanta. And so we would, we were cleaning for like a lot of actors. We were cleaning people that worked in the NBA, that, that played in the NBA and the NFL. Like we just, we just somehow just started to build a clientele. And then that turned into you know, then we were able to get a couple commercial things. And then, but the only thing with that is that that kind of work is really hard work. Right. Because you don't make money unless you're doing the service. Yep. And then you have to clean X amount of houses per day in order for it to work. Right. In order for you to make some money. I mean, we did decent, but then I was like, this, this is, this is too much, man. You know, way too much. And so what was next from there, B? I went to work at Whole Foods. Yeah. Cause I needed to just change my whole life. Like I had to get my shit together, you know? So I kind of switched up the crowd of people because you are who you hang with, I believe anyway, you know? And so I kind of kind of just like totally shifted my life. I went to work at Whole Foods. You know, this is back when Whole Foods was like in its heyday. So it was like Whole Foods, you know, like, you know, this is, they, I mean, I know that they still invest in their, in their, in their employees, but they were really investing in their employees then, you know, it was, it was like a, it was a community, you know, yeah. it wasn't corporate. Did you know somebody there or like did how did you, you just, choose that? 
Yeah. No, I, I just, I, w- I went, I, I lived down the street from a Whole Foods. And I remember I, I would go into Whole Foods and I would go into Whole Body, right? Yeah. yeah. And Whole Body for Whole Foods is like what, like if you were to go into Ralph's, y'all both live in California. So if yeah. you were to go in Ralph's in California, how yeah. they have a pharmacy inside of Ralph's, Whole Body is like Whole Foods pharmacy. That's right. Right. Yep. Only it's like an apothecary. And I had 10 plus years experience in that. Right. And so I was like, you know, I saw that they were hiring and I was like, yo, I would be excellent at this because I worked in the medical field for a long time. And not only did I work in the medical field, but I also wanted to go to school to be a doctor because I'm naturally a healer, you know. And so I literally like I put in I put in my job application and I got the job like right away. You know, I think I interviewed with her and like within just a couple of days, I was able to get the job. And then I did that for a couple of years and I still would still have to clean a house or two because it wasn't like I was making a lot of money, you know. Right. So I would still like keep relationships with people that wanted me to clean their house and I would still go and I'd still do the thing. And then I would, I was like being an artist model. Like I was just doing whatever I had to do yeah. to survive. And then Honeypot came like wow. in, from, from like 2011 to 2012, I kept suffering from this bacterial vaginosis infection, you know, and it would go away and it would come back. And every time I would get my period, I would take medicine. I would do all the things. Every time I would get my cycle, after I had my period, which I can tell you why this happens. Now I know now, but I didn't know then. Literally every single month, I would take the medicine or I would do some weird natural remedy and I'd get it to go away. But like every single month, right after I had my period, bacterial vaginosis would come back again, you know? And what I later found out is the reason why is because when you think of how pH, when you think of your blood, most people's blood is alkaline, right? Yeah. And so when a human that has a vagina has their cycle, it's normal for your pH to raise because a typical, like a healthy pH for um, a healthy pH range is between 3.5 and 4.5, right? Now, when you're going to get your period, your pH may go, it, it goes up because because blood is alkaline, so it raises your pH level. So it makes complete sense. Only if your pH was off before your period came, after your cycle's going off, it's going to go back to wherever it was. And so it throws your pH off. And if you're susceptible to any certain type of infection, then that type of infection is very likely going to come back. So this would literally happen to me every single month for like almost a year. It was crazy. So as you can imagine, I am, you know, kind of beside myself. I don't feel comfortable with, I don't feel comfortable with my body. Every time I go to the bathroom, you can, you know, a a human that deals with this thing, even if the, even if the human isn't dealing with bacterial vaginosis that they're dealing with the yeast infection or they're dealing with the UTI or they're dealing with whatever, typically you're going to experience that thing every single time you come into, into connection with your vagina. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? If you're going pee, if you're going poo, if you're doing whatever, yeah. you're going to experience that. So can you imagine the PTSD yeah. that that causes because you're dealing with that multiple times a day, right? And BV is rough because it, it can stink and it can, you know, and there can be like a, you know, a lot of discharge sometimes or whatever. So when you don't understand what's happening with your body, it doesn't make for, you know, and, and you and, and depending on where you are with your mental health, that isn't really a good combination, yeah. you know? And so I couldn't have sex. I couldn't. And I'm a young I'm a young girl. Like, I, you know, I'm not even I'm 40 this year. Maybe I was pushing 30 then, you know, and so like so it, it was rough, you know, and so. So I'm dealing with this over and over again. Finally, one morning, I'm having a very vivid dream because I'm a dreamer. And sometimes I dream things before they happen. I think everybody does. You know, you, you, you're you driving down the car. You're having a conversation. You're like, huh, I'm having deja vu. Yeah. I've done this before. Yeah. Right. So that happens with me a lot. But what happened, what I'm about to say, explain that versions of that had happened but never had it been so specific and so focused so i'm ha- i'm i'm sleeping and all of a sudden i have this very like vivid to call it a dream doesn't feel like i'm giving it a lot of res- the, the, the respect that it requires Maybe a vision? Like a vision? it was like a, it was a real thing this shit wasn't a vision this was real you know and so i'm i'm because when we're when we're when we're relaxed and when we're asleep is when is when our body can kind of communicate with other dimensions. And we I know that sounds pretty esoteric, but it's I know that it's real because it happened to me. And so I'm I'm sleeping and all of a sudden everything is white and I see my grandmother. And the only reason that I know her is because I look like generations like you can tell the women from my family because we all look very much alike yeah and so this human comes into the comes in at this point i don't necessarily realize she's my grandmother until i describe her to my mom and she tells me but you know we're sitting at this table everything's white the table's white she's wearing white everything's white and she basically tells me that she walks with me and that she had been walking with me for that year and seeing me struggle. And she was like, you know, and I'm basically like, I know what to do. And so you can imagine Wayne and Robin, like, I'm like, oh shit, like I've never met you before. I want to talk to her about her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know that this is somebody I'm related to. You yeah. know what I mean? Gotta be, cause I look just like her, you know? And she was like, like, I'm not here for that. We don't have that kind of time. Right. <laughs> she hands me a piece of because think about it. I mean, I, love it. I don't know what my grand I don't know the dimensions that my grandmother had to yeah. go through yeah. to come to me. Right. Like that, like my grandmother has been dead. Her 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 body, not her spirit, but her her physical body has been dead since my mother was seven years old. My mother is 65 years old. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I've never even fit. I wasn't even thought of when my grandmother passed away, you know? And so, but she was like, like, I'm not here for that. We don't have that kind of time. She, she has a piece of paper in her hands 
It has a list of ingredients on it. And she tells me, um, you, you need to memorize what's on this paper because this is what's going to solve your problem. And wow. so I just see a list. It's like coconut oil, apple cider vinegar, water, lavender, rose, very simple things. Yeah. And I just kept repeating it over and over and over again. I would just go through the list and I go back up to the top and I go back up to the top and I just kept doing it. It felt like I, like I said it a hundred times. The reason why I know that it was real is because when I woke up from that dream, I literally woke up saying apple cider vinegar, lavender, rose, coconut oil, garlic. I remember it. Right. And I kept a pen and paper by my bed at that time. And so I wrote, I wrote it down real, real, real fast. And sometimes I do that now, but I just do it with my phone. I just take notes, you know, but, and literally I woke up, I was like, holy shit, what was that? You know, <laughs> had, had that ever, had that ever happened? Did you rewrite it down? Exactly. I just wrote it. I just wrote it down right straight away. The moment that I woke up, cause I knew I couldn't forget it. Yeah. She told me that this was going to solve my problem. And so, you know, so I wrote it down. I told my mom, I described the human. She was like, that was probably your grandmother or it could have been many of your ancestors represented with one person, you know? And, um, and she told, you know, and she was just like, well, shit, all you can do is try it. All it can do is not work. Right. And she was, it was real. Right. And so, cause I worked at Whole Foods at the time I went to work and I compiled all the ingredients and I went home that day. Probably it took me a couple of days cause I wanted to do the research and I, and I compiled the ingredients and then I made myself a formula. I made myself a wash. Literally, I had bacterial vaginosis when this happened. Yeah. So literally, I just started using the wash like at, right after I made it. And for four, every time I would go to the bathroom, I mean, I still do it to this day. But every time I went to the, and I'm telling y'all all this because I think that it's important that people understand that this is normal shit. This is not too much information. This is just normal things that people go through. It's not only me that goes through it. Everybody does stuff like this, right? You just We all just have our own versions. We just keep it to ourselves because we haven't been taught to share that, right? Yep. But, you know, so every time I would go pee, I would smell myself because I, you know, I still do it. It, 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 it was a trauma response and it's still there, even though I've done work to deal with my trauma. Right. But it's still here to today. But it's crazy because I, I made that wash for myself. And for like four or five days, I didn't do it. I didn't go to the bath every time I went pee. I didn't smell myself. I just would go pee. I would wipe and I would get up, and do my thing, you know. Yeah. And then I realized those four or five days went by and I was like, huh, I haven't really felt the need to do that, you know? And then I did it. And then I realized, wow, I don't have an infection anymore. How did you know like the proportions or did you, did you actually have to mess with it a little bit? I did because I, here's the thing. So everything that I've ever been through in my life has prepared me for this moment. I used to work and I worked in IV rooms for years. Right. Yeah. When you work in an IV room, when you work in any pharmacy, you guys, the pharmacy technician, this is the reason why pharmacy technicians have to be certified. The pharmacy technician is the person 
who if it's a if, if it's compounding for skin products right where you're like taking powders and compounding it into like gels or creams or something like that the pharmacy technician has to take whatever that powder is and then they have to look at how many milligrams is in there per we'll we'll use easy easy things just to make it easy so if there's if it's one teaspoon equals equals one milligram right and say some say say the compounding thing calls for six milligrams of whatever this said ingredient is right then i know that i would have to put six teaspoons to equal six right. milligrams into whatever the thing is that i'm making yep and so my pharmacy years taught me how to compound yeah so my pharmacy years taught me how to like eyeball things so i didn't have exact measurements but i was just like huh maybe i can put mostly water yeah this you know co the coconut oil was saponified so that's how it became a soap so i was like i don't probably don't need that much because it doesn't take much with water and soap to make things foamy let me try a cup of app of rose water let me try a cup of lavender you understand what i'm saying yeah. like yeah you, you it's it's Making skincare is a lot like cooking. Some trial and error to see what works. It's yeah. trial and error, you know? Yeah. And so so I just, I eyeballed it. I used, I just used my intuition and I made something and it worked. Yeah. Literally like five days later, that shit was gone, you know? How did you decide to turn that into a company? Well, literally the, when I was on the toilet going pee, yeah. And I realized that the infection that I had went away in that same moment. I was like, this is what I do now. So what did you do next? To, like, so how did you, what, so, you know, you wanted to start a company with it. What did you, yep. what did you do next? Like, how did you, what, what next step did you take? I had to make sure that it worked. Yeah. So for a year and a half, I did my own version of a clinical trial. So I didn't, I, and I, I said to myself, I can't sell this to people because I've only used it on my vagina. I need other, or my vulva, excuse me. Yeah. I can't sell this to people because I've only used it on my vulva. And also I knew because I worked in, I, when you work at Whole Foods, you learn a lot about the food business and this, and this consumer packaged goods business because you're dealing with reps all the time, you know? And I knew that because I had been working there for a couple of years, because I started in 2010. So I knew that when it came to food or skincare, if it's food, it can't be too salty or sweet. If it's skincare, it can't be too strong, but it can't be so, so gentle that it doesn't work. Right. right? And so literally for like a year and a half, I would just make product and I would give it away. And if I like, I would help, I, you know, anytime anybody had a vagina issue, <laughs> Anytime a customer had a vagina issue, my my team would send them to me <laughs> because I had had so many issues with my own vagina. Yeah. And so and I was I was literally on a you know, I was on a on a on a mission to figure it out. And so I think I learned a lot about how to use herbs to help to treat your vagina. And so anytime somebody had a vagina problem, any customer, they would send that customer to me. And then I would get them sorted with their supplements and their and their 
you know, um, like Vitanica makes a really great uh, suppository. That's what I had to give them at the time. So I would show them the Vitanica suppositories. I would show them, you know, um, the supplements, the probiotics, all the things that they needed to take. And then I would literally like walk into the register and I'd be like, yo, you're going to check out. I'm going to wait. And then I'm going to help you out to your car. And I would follow them to, I would go, not follow them. I wasn't stalking them or anything. <laughs> I would walk them to the car. And then I sometimes, sometimes I had to feel the energy, right? Right. Yeah. But if the energy felt right, I would be like, look, I have a product that I've been making for myself because I've had a lot of issues with my vagina. And if you want to try it, I will literally give it to you. The only thing I need for you is to tell me how it is. If it's too strong, if it's too gentle, because I would just make like batches of formula. Yeah. Like a formula. And then I would be like, okay, batch one, batch two, batch whatever. Yep. And then I would give that away. And then, you know, <laughs> it's crazy because then one time a lady told me that uh, every time she went to watch her daughter, her baby daughter, who was only three. Yeah. Because she would, because we don't know to wash our children's vulvas with soap, with, with products that match their pH. Their little vulvas have to have the same pH that our vulvas do, right? It's it's the same thing. It's the same body part. And so using soaps like baby washes and things like that, really all that a young child needs is water. But sometimes if they're in the bathtub, if they if it's a bath, if it's a bubble bath, it'll affect their little vulva, right? And their vagina. And so every time her little girl would take a bath, she never wanted her mommy to wash her there. And so she said she tried the honey pot wash on her and it worked. And and then it became like a relationship thing between them where the baby would be in the shower and she'd be like, mommy, I want to use that, you know? And so that. So did you already call it honey pot? Did you call it honey pot then already? It wasn't called honey pot then. I can't even remember. How did you come up with the name? Like when, when did that come to be? I was dying to find a name, right? Because I was going to work with one of my friends that that I worked with to like develop this company. And then she was she was like, this is way too much for me. I don't think I want to do it. Right. And so we had found we had figured out a name. I can't remember it. But then when she said that she didn't want to do it because I just felt like I needed some help. So when she said she feel like she wanted to do it, she took whatever that name was with her. And I was like, cool. So you can imagine I'm like racking my brain trying to find a name. And I'm I'm in Atlanta and I'm driving. Anybody that's listening to this is from Atlanta would probably know. I'm like by the Buddy's gas station. I'll never remember it. It's like a record store. And then it's like a record and like old school VH, VHS tape store. <laughs> and across from that is, is the Buddy's uh, gas station. I'm, I'm literally driving right there. And I look up and on the light pole... There's a concert um, flyer. Yeah. And the name of the band was the Honey Pot Band. Oh, no way. And I was like, oh, shit. There it is. <laughs> Clear as day. That's amazing. Honey Pot. That's what we're going to call it. And then that's how it happened. So at that point, were you still sort of trialing the product? Giving yes. it out for free at that point still? Yeah. And then at what point did you actually take it to that next level where you started to you have the name, started to sell the product. So we went to somebody that I knew was like, yo, you should go to the Bronner Brothers hair show. 
it's gonna be in Atlanta, you know. Maybe it was like January. That shit was going to be here in February. It was crazy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and or maybe it was December and it was going to be here in February or something like that. It, was, it wasn't far away. Right. When yep. you're, when you were, when you were, when you were as broke as I was at that time, like, even if they said that shit was six months away, it would have been a, you know? But Cy, my brother Cy had already been, he had already like Cy, he didn't know that he was my partner, but, <laughs> you know, he was just being my big bro and he was, he was, he, I didn't have a lot of money. So he knew what I was, what I was doing. And he gave me this credit card to have like a $500 limit. I remember somebody telling me about it and I, that's how, that's what I would use to buy the ingredients to make the wash, to give it away. So he would just pay this bill every month, you know. <laughs> did, did he have any idea? what? Yeah, did, that's did he that's know a what good it was? brother. Yeah. 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 He, he just wanted to support me. He was just yeah. like, she's doing something, whatever, right? <laughs> and um, and I remember finding out about Bronner Brothers Hair Show. They told me to reach out to this guy called Efren. Shout out to Efren. And Efren was like, yeah, I'll hook you up. I'll give you a good rate, blah, 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 blah. You know, this is how many people's going to come. This is what you should bring, blah, 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 blah. You need to have a, a banner, all the shit. And, you know, maybe it was like $3,000, but that was a fortune. Yeah. Right. And so I, but, but not only was it that, but we had to buy all the bottles, all the caps, we had to get labels made. Like we had so many things to do. And so I remember going to side and being like, bro, I think I really want to do this. Having really good, you know, people are having nothing but good things to say. I think that it's time to take it to the next level. And I literally got on my hands and knees because he was like, B, I, the only thing he was like, B, the only thing I know about vaginas is what I know about vaginas. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't know nothing past that, you know? And I was like, yeah, but bro, like, this is such a good idea. Like it's, it, this can be a, a, a big business, you know? And he was like, B like, cause he had an accounting firm at that time that was doing well, you know? And so he was like, I don't, I, I can't stop doing what I'm doing, you know? And I was like, bro, you don't have to, I, I, you know, I swear like, I'll take it on. Blah, blah, blah. And I literally got on my hands and knees, like hands and knees and like beg, 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 begged him. And I was like, please, I told him, I said, if this doesn't work out, I will never bring this shit up again. I will just forget <laughs> about it. You know? And he was like, okay, remember you said that. You know what I mean? And I said, cool. And so I told him it, it was going to be a lot of money because it was going to be about $20,000 to buy all the things, right? all yeah. the ingredients, all yeah. the everything, right? Yeah. And, um, and he found the money between him and Troy. They found the money. And, um, and we did it. And it's crazy because literally it wasn't, it wasn't December. It had to have been January because we had to turn around quick. I just remember we had assembly lines. We had a whole, it was crazy. Even, even with the money, how did you know how to go, how to, who to find to go make all this? So I had been doing research from when I was making the product. Yeah. I was buying the stuff at Whole Foods at first, but then I was like, this feels silly because it costs so much. If I'm going to make, if I'm going to make, I don't know, five or 10 gallons of product, I can't just have these little bitty bottles of, 
of rose water and these little bitty bottles of essential oils. Like I needed big bottles of things. What what was considered big bottles then? Right. And so I, I just started doing research on like, okay, wholesale natural ingredients. And I, you know, I found essential wholesale that I found, I just found a bunch of like natural wholesale companies that sold like oils and hydrosols and floor waters and, and oils and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and so those were the people that I went to. And then I found, and then I was like, how do I find wholesale bottles? I just <laughs> Google, you know, I mean, uh, Uline does a lot of shit, right. you know? I mean, I remember we would, <laughs> I remember I had gotten shrink wraps to put over top of the bottles and we had to just stand there with fucking hair dryers. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's how raw and organic this was, you know? And so boom, get the 20 racks, put all, do all the stuff, make a cute little booth. Literally. It, it's like a three day show Friday to Sunday. We took 600 bottles the first day. Maybe we sold like a hundred bottles, but it was crazy because people would go home, use it. And then the next day they came back and they would bring their friends. I mean, husbands were coming in to buy it for their wives. It was crazy because it's a hair show. Right. Why would it, people didn't see vagina products at a hair show, <laughs> you know? And that's, and so literally every single bottle we made, we sold and and then while when, when you're at the hair shows, it's kind of like when you're at expo, they always make the appointment. There's always somebody there to talk about the next show. Yeah. And so then then we found about about out about the Talia Wahid hair show. And then we found out about the natural expo. And that's really how we built Honeypot from the beginning. We would just go to festivals, expos, trade shows, anywhere where we could be in the room with thousands of people over a weekend. And that's and it just became this organic thing, and then that's how that's how we got started. And at that point, who who was in the booth with you? Were you doing this solo? No, my mom, Indra, who's like my chosen sister. Uh, we we worked together at Whole Foods. Cami, her daughter, um, Suwad, uh, Simon's cousin. Like it was just family, yeah. you know. Anthony, Justin, like everybody just hustled in. Dom, like, and I'm naming people y'all don't know, but I'm saying their names because I think it's important because they were the people that helped us to get to where we are, you know? At what point did Cy realize, wait a second, something's happening? Uh, I think he realized after that first show that this was worth it. Got it. You know, and, and he... He still was doing his thing with 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 the with the accounting firm. I mean, we all you guys, we all had to have a job. Yeah. Nobody yeah. made money. Nobody had there was no fucking equity contract. There was none of that shit. It was just like, okay, come work, cool. You got some equity boom. Nobody had money. Yeah. Nobody had cash. Nobody had shit. We everything we made, we put right back into the business. We went to the next show. We did a website, you know, by this time I had left Whole Foods and I had became a food broker. So, and I worked in the Southeast in Florida. And so every time I would go into a store for the most part to sell the products that I was selling, cause I worked for like a hundred different brands for the brokerage that I worked for. So, you know, um, I would go in, I would sell, the, I would sell the things that I went in to sell. I would walk out. 
I go back to the car. I walk out the store and then I go back in the store because I wanted to. I knew that it was conflict of interest. So I kind of wanted. I knew I had to, I knew I had to just break the fucking rules. But what else was I going to do? You know, and I remember I remember I, I had gotten it into Whole Foods before I was before I had left Whole Foods. But I remember we had gotten it into Whole Foods for a price that did not work for us. Like, literally, we were paying Whole Foods money every time we put the shit on their show. We weren't making a penny. But I, but to me, that didn't matter, right? Because I knew that if we were in Whole Foods, even if we were in one Whole Foods, we could say we were in Whole Foods, right? Yep. And so, um, so I was able to get it in. But then fast forward to when I was a broker, Whole Foods was one of my customers. Yeah. And I was there with my fucking boss and the person that I like did my territory with. I had a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I remember walking out of the fucking meeting, but I needed to handle my whole my honeypot shit. I needed to handle that. We walked out of the meeting. I walked out the door with them. And I was like, oh, I left something in the office. (laughs) I left my phone in the office and I went back to the fucking office and I was like, bro, I got two minutes. I need, look, this, the honey pot is selling on your shelf. We're selling like a case of wheat. I need this price. And I, you know, bro, I have this fucking job. I need this job, but I need you to sort me out. And literally he was so fucking cool. I think his name was Ken. He was like, cool, run it. I just think that he respected the hustle because he knew that I didn't, he knew I was like, bro, if they fucking come back here, me and you were just having another conversation. not talking about this, right? And, you know, and and he did it because yeah he did it man yeah right after the break we'll be back with our featured guest the honeypot founder b dixon unfinished biz is a vmg partners production find us wherever you get your podcasts and catch up on more than 50 past episodes on unfinishedbiz.com follow us on our unfinished biz linkedin page for news and updates and as always we love itunes reviews to help others discover and enjoy the show But now let's jump back into our conversation with B. Dixon, founder of The Honeypot. I think one we always love is, and and I'm excited to hear your your response here, is was there ever a bet the company moment where you put everything on the line, uh, made a decision where it could have all, I guess, all all gone down? Yeah. When we got the opportunity to go into Target. Yeah. We had to bet it all. I mean, me me and Cy didn't have, me, Cy and Linda. And Antoinette, I mean that that was that Winnie Pot, that was the employees, right? And only Antoinette was making money. Um, and it wasn't even a lot. When we got when we got the opportunity to go into Target, we got we got we we got the yes. And I was I was so focused on getting to the yes. We yeah. were focused on getting to the yes. I I knew that getting to the yes wasn't hard, right? Because Getting to the yes wasn't hard because I knew how to get to the yes because I was a broker. So I got, I'm a fucking salesperson naturally. Yeah. <laughs> so I would always get to the yes. And I wasn't even thinking that about myself. But the yes isn't shit. It's what comes after the yes. And so once we got the yes, then it was like, oh shit, now we got to find a manufacturer. Now we got to. So then we had to go out and raise money. And we, we were literally raising money to pay invoices because we got our washes, our normal and sensitive wash and our normal and sensitive wipe into target in 1100 doors. Yeah. 
from like zero to eleven hundred doors. And you had you had to get the working capital. We had to get to the working capital. And and it, and there were so many times that it almost just didn't happen. But we the the manufacturer we were working with was um something Soleil. Um I can't remember the name of it, but Rena, who owns that facility, she was so kind, you know, because she didn't know us from a can of paint, right? And she would, she would, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that she was like, B, I can't do this. Maybe a, it wasn't like she could give us terms because we didn't have any money. She knew we didn't have any money, you know? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, man. And, 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 but, but we did it. We That's did it. Huge. But you did it. You did it. So what's been the highest, the high point of this amazing, this, this amazing journey to date? Um, there's been many high points. I think the highest point is that we're still here. We made it, you yeah. know, we, we accomplished working with BMG, right? We, we accomplished building our team. We've, we've accomplished, we've accomplished a lot. We, there has been, Honeypot has had no shortage of issues, Right. Um, but somehow we always manage to figure it out, you know? And so I'm, I think our highest point is the fact that it's 10 years later and we're still here. And I, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it's never all rainbows and unicorns. What's been the, what's been the lowest point B? I don't know if I would call them the lowest moments. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's just been very hard. You know, I think the hardest points were actually raising money. Tell, tell us more. You know, uh, you know, I, I mean, ra raising, you have to know, like, when we were raising money, this whole, it being cool and being a woman and being a human that's called Black in America, when we were raising money, that shit wasn't cool. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody was talking about it, you know? I mean, we've been fortunate to have investors, but I think that, and this is just me being candid. Right. Don't, please don't take any offense. But having to prove that what can happen when you're in a desperate place, I think that those were some of our hardest moments for what we've had to fight for, the valuations we've had to fight for, the, um, you know, which frankly we knew should have always been more, but we just had to take what we were given. You know, I mean, there just comes a point where you don't have any other option and you just have to do what you have to fucking do. Those have been the hardest moments, to be frank and to be honest, you know. Um, but again, we've made it and we're here and we've existed and, and we're very lucky that we've been able, not luck. Luck isn't the right word because we busted our ass, so we're not lucky. But we've been able to accomplish a lot and we've been able to have good partners while doing it. And we've been able to prove our our worth, I think. Well, we've been honored to partner with you, B. Thank you. And the honor is ours as well. And at this point, again, you've persevered through so much, you and the team as well. You know, you're at a such a different place um than where you were just a few years ago. What keeps you up at night now? I think what keeps me up at night now, because we we also haven't had our shortage of viral moments which are beautiful. I'm also very grateful for those, but that doesn't mean that they're easy to navigate. 
And it's, and it doesn't mean that it's easy for our team to navigate because these are human beings. They're not robots. Right. Right. This last one that we had, it really created some real, some real trauma on the team. You know what I'm saying? Like for real, like this, this just being honest. So navigating a growing team is very hard. Navigating how you grow and how you make changes in a world that is ever changing and, and, and trying to be upfront, honest, aware, investing in science, doing all the things that no other feminine wellness company has ever really done. And, 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 and balancing the fear and the trauma that's happened because of all the things and all the fights we had to fight. We, Honeypot, myself, we are nothing without our team. This honeypot happens because of this team. And a million things have to happen before our products show up on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> working with the team and, and, and also working in a climate like this, in an economic cl- climate like this, in a, uh, in a, in a post-COVID world climate, right? In a, there's so many things that have happened in the last couple of years that actually have nothing to do with honeypot that have just made it hard to be a human. Right. And so navigating that and making sure that the team is good, making sure that we're well, making sure that that we're checking in, making sure that everybody's got what they need, making sure that people are taking time off. You know, as the company grows, you know, navigating people can be the hardest thing because you got to treat them well, man. You, you just have to. And you, you really have to give a fuck and you and, and you can't treat people like they're not people, yep. like they're not human beings. That's one of the things that keeps me up. Well, many of the things that keep me up at night. And no, it's, and then I think that's really helpful. Yeah, it's it's there's there's ups and downs to every journey. Yeah. So, hey, Robin, we've had the good fortune of meeting a number of visionary founders over the years, both in our portfolio, but just in our travels as a whole. For sure. But I don't think we've had one where the visionary founder had a vision from somebody else. And and nobody else was able to have this experience that B. Dixon had to kind of really prepare her for that moment. She started her own cleaning business. She worked in a pharmacy and saw the challenges of the healthcare industry. And then was able to really research and learn holistic remedies through her experience and working at Whole Foods, really leading to the perfect, the perfect background to start the honeypot. Honestly, I think that's when we kind of entered the picture a bit. One of our business partners, Elisa Williams, built this incredible relationship with B. Um, really aligned on the vision of what the honeypot was at that time and was going to be in the future as well. And candidly, it's just been a pleasure watching um, the business continue to grow, to be a part of it. I mean, obviously, you can have a vision all you want, but at the end of the day, you got to have put a lot of elbow grease into a business. You got to have that work ethic. And there's no doubt that B's got that in spades. Um, you're going to hear also, I mean, she puts she puts that effort into everything that she does. What do you like to do outside of being the great entrepreneur who you are? I actually like to relax. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what, and what do you do to relax? Sometimes it can be travel. Sometimes it could just be cooking a really beautiful meal. Cause I love to cook. 
Um, I love a clean house and I travel a lot. Where's your favorite place to go, B? I think my favorite place, one of my favorite places to go, because that's like asking me my favorite color, yeah. is actually Costa Rica. You and I talked about this before, Wayne, but Santa Teresa is a very special place. Um, so I love going there. I love, I love, I actually went to Cape Town a couple years back. That's probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. Um, so I love to travel. I love to eat. I love to relax. You know, I like to sit down and watch a good movie or a good show, you know, simple stuff. Well, speaking of simple things, it's time for our signature game, B. Rapid oh, yeah. fire game. First thing that comes to your mind. This this game is this okay. game is all about how many questions can you get through. So if you need to pass, pass. But we know you got. We know you're gonna you're gonna crush it here. You ready? Okay. Yes. All right. Here we go. Sweet potato or regular French fries? Oh, regular. Aisle or window seat? Aisle. Running or walking? Fucking walking. <laughs> Work from home or the office? Ooh, both. Beach or mountains? Beach. Love winning or hate losing? Love winning. Pancakes or waffles? Mm, pancakes. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Passenger or driver? Driver. Night or morning? Morning. Hot coffee, iced coffee? Hot. Night at the aquarium or the Met? The Met. What movie could you watch a hundred times and not get tired of? Mm, life. What game, card game, board game, whatever, would you bring with you on a deserted island? Uno. What's your favorite utensil? Oh, spoons. <laughs> What's the last thing you bought? Incense. What's one thing you always have room for at the end of a meal? Water. What's your favorite snack in a the movie theater? Fucking nachos, man. Yes. That's how we that's how we end the rapid fire. Great job, B. One final question for the audience. What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh man, go with it and be patient. It takes time. It's making a company is a big, it's a big responsibility. And it needs to be done well. And it, you know, so take your time, but also don't take too much time, you know, and stop trying to learn everything and go to all the talks and all the classes and all the meet with all the mentors and do all. You don't need any of that shit. The only way to learn how to do this is to do it. I love it. Just do it. For sure. I love it. Well said, B. Thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Wayne. And I'm Robin. We're so lucky to be able to talk to some of the world's smartest entrepreneurs. And we've got more amazing conversations coming up, like with Hustle Clean founder and former NFL player, Justin Forsett. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Unfinished Biz. These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG partners. And now a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any investments. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses 
and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG.